The opinions and viewpoints expressed in .NET Rocks are not necessarily those of its sponsors or of Microsoft Corporation, its partners, or employees. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, which is solely responsible for its content. Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter. Rockheads, quit sliding your Gantt chart and listen up. It's time for another stellar episode of .NET Rocks, the internet audio talk show for .NET developers with Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. This is Lawrence Ryan announcing show number 323 with guests Isam Elbetum and Scott Willicke. Recorded live Monday, March 10th, 2008. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net training developers to work smarter, and now offering SharePoint 2007 video training with Sahil Malik on DVD, DNR TV style. Order your copy now at www.franklins.net. Support is also provided by Telerik, combining the best in Windows forms and ASP.NET controls with first-class customer service. Online at www.telerik.com. And by Code Magazine, the leading independent magazine for .NET developers. Online at www.code-magazine.com. And now, the man who got caught shaving his cubes, Carl Franklin. Thanks very much. Welcome back to .NET Rocks. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here talking .NET for the next hour or so. Hey, Richard, what is up, man? Not too much, bub. Having a good time fixing hardware. I finally home for a few weeks, so I'm tearing apart machines. I've been uh, recording shows left and right, of course, and uh, did we did a Mondays, and I edited that, and that was fun. Yeah, first no kidding. Been for, five months since we did a Mondays. So. Yep. So, uh, but you know, if you hadn't died, everything would have been okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of sucked. It was a surprise to me. For those who don't know what Mondays is, it's a uh, comedy podcast that we sometimes do. <laughs> Started off weekly, and then uh, we sort of took a break. For we a did long like time. eight of them last year. It is not safe for work, however. But if you want to laugh uh, on your headphones, definitely go to mondays.pwop.com. Listen to that. All right, um, let's get right into better know framework, Richard. And uh, today's. Uh, class isn't actually a class. It's a method. Oh. It's a method on the app domain object. Remember we were talking about that? Oh, yeah, yeah. You've had an app domain thing going for a while now. Well, yeah, there's so many cool things in there. And, you know, now that sort of uh, app domains became really important w in the remoting space. Right. You know, because the remoting is cross-app domain communication, basically. But, I mean, you still have the need to know what's going on within your context, right? So... There is a way to execute code in another app domain from another from your app domain to another app domain, and there's actually a sample. And the method here is the do callback method. Oh, okay. There's an example, some just a few lines of code, just to create a new uh, 
get the current app domain, just from appdomain.currentdomain, and then create a new app domain with create domain, and you give it a name. And uh, and then you basically do a do callback, right? Cool. And you pass the address of a subroutine. And then that uh, other domain calls your code in your domain. So it's pretty cool. It's a, a, just a neat thing that I found in, in the docs today. Well, and a very clean way to do a handoff between app domains. Yeah. And uh, there's a lot to it, though. I mean, it, it looks simple. That sample looks simple, but there's a lot to app domains. So I would suggest reading up on it. You have to do it right. Right. There you go. So, Richie, you got an email for us? I do indeed. And this one's from Sean McCarthy. It says, hey, Richard and Carl, I had a little debate in my head about whose name to put first. <laughs> Being a fellow Kiwi, I had to go with you, Richard. <laughs> Are you two still going to do that show from your uncle's farm in Tauranga sometime? Oh, man, that would be so fun. You'd like to, would you? I want to do it from the front porch, man. You want to do it on the front porch with the goat in the uh, in, out on the front yard yeah, there? Yeah, I want to Hit hear the goat. I want to hear the ambience. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the view from there is amazing, looking down on Tower. But that's a whole other story. I've been listening to the show for about a year, and I've really enjoyed the addition of Better Know a Framework section. All right. Even the music. Hey. You're okay, in show man. 320, like the John Bristow interview, Carl mentioned the system.io.pipes namespace. You're right about pipes being a bit redundant in the world of TCPIP for networking, but they are still really useful for local interprocess communication. Yeah. Local name pipes live in the kernel and effectively become a shared area of memory between two processes. Very cool. This is faster than going all the way down the road of packaging up all the data for TCPIP transmission, only to send it to local host. Yep. It saves some serialization effort, right? Yeah, it's a way to burrow through processes. This is a nice little performance tweak when you are running two major components of your application on the same machine, for example, a web server and business logic service. Hmm. Of course, the best option nowadays is to use Windows Communication Foundation. That's right. The way you connect is abstracted away from you in bindings, which are stored in the config file. This way, you could easily switch from using named local pipes to either TCP IP or web services when you purchase that second server. Yep. Thanks, and looking forward to the next show, Sean McCarthy. Sean, you get a mug. Ah, mug that man. Mug that man. <laughs> And if you want a mug, send us an email at .NET rocks at franklins.net. Well, Richard, I've been looking forward to this show for a very long time. Our guests are Isam Elbatum and Scott Willicke from Data Dynamics. Isam is founder and product manager at Data Dynamics. He's a 20-plus year veteran of software development. He started writing scheduling software in Clipper 87 for healthcare. Love and, it. And, yep, you guys are going to have a lot to talk about. And uh, moved to VB3 during a, a brief consulting career. For the past 12 years, he's been helping developers and businesses make the most of their data to support decision makers. Scott Willicke is Director of Development at Data Dynamics. He has over 12 years of software development experience and has worked with the .NET framework since the early betas. He's currently leading multiple teams to bring next-generation business intelligence, data analysis, and reporting components to .NET developers. Well, guys, um, we decided to, to have this show because, as our listeners know, you guys were our first sponsor. And I can't say it enough, but I don't even know as if we would be here today if it weren't for you guys. Is that a fair statement, Richard? Yeah, I think that is a fair statement. Data Dynamics were the first people to really believe in .NET Rocks in those early days. 
and let us think, hey, we could just keep doing this, not just as a labor of love, but as uh, a substantial part of our, our working week. Yeah, we had a year to find a sponsor, and if we didn't have one to help us uh, keep going with the bandwidth and all that stuff, we, we we literally would have been paying out of pocket and might have closed down. So uh, anyway, um, the reason that we wanted to do this show is that I went to see you guys, Isam, I went to visit you in at your facility in December to see what you guys have been working on because I had you we'd seen you at tech eds and stuff in your in your booths and had a sneak peek about you know your new analysis stuff and and it looked really interesting um, so that I wanted to just get the the big picture so I went to visit you guys and in, in great company and a great group of people and the stuff that we're going to talk about today was just really fascinating to me so I want to just welcome to the show and let's dig right well, dive right in Thank you, uh, Carl and Richard, and uh, it's been really an honor to uh, to be right there with you guys from the beginning, you know, and uh, I think the relationship has uh, been a two-way street, really. I mean, it's true, we helped you, but we also got a lot of help, you know, from you guys being, uh, you know, true believers in the product and not just basically, you know, I know that both of you have used Active Reports and and. Yep. Uh, and and also, you know, help us push it uh, to many, many developers with your show. And uh, and I, I know this show is not specifically about active reports, but just to call out to folks, I know they probably heard the ads, but mm-hmm. the thing that both of us love about active reports is is actually reporting designed for developers to work with. Right. It, that was the thing that made it so compelling to use. Was it just was so natural to add reporting into our .NET apps, where usually with other products was such a struggle. <laughs> We all know what other products you're talking about, too. (laughs) I wasn't going to name names. The classic. But I've been through them all. Let me tell you, I've had a lot of pain. The scars are never going away. It should be crystal clear who we're talking about here. (laughs) Jeez. Very subtle. That's that's nice, Miss Franklin. I like that one a lot. But really, we're... I was fat. The funny part here is that Carl's the one who got to go to the office and see the cool new tools, and I'm the data analysis guy. Right. So you're really going to be in for a treat, Richard. Yeah, I'm all. I'm just totally flipped out to see what you guys have been up to. Well, and oh, I, well you're I, welcome here anytime you want, man. You know, you're, <laughs> I'd love to have you. <laughs> well, I, I the the thing that struck me when you were talking when you're showing me this analysis stuff is that this is really an application that belongs in a different market. And it really belongs in the IT market, in the business intelligence market. And it's an application that I've seen similar apps that go for hundreds of thousands of dollars. Like, it's a big deal um, for analysis, but yet you chose to wrap it up in, in a control and and s- practically give it away to developers. Exactly. I mean, you know, uh, it would help really to, to kind of tell you a little bit about, about our, our strategy and way of thinking, really, and how we got to the point of, uh, I mean, uh, bringing such powerful tools to developers has always been our goal, you know, from, from inception. You know, we started about 12 years ago with, uh, I brought in like some of, uh, some of what I knew about or struggled with while doing consulting and development in in those days and really i used to look at things like uh the simple pivot table you know in excel and in those days like in 94 95 little people really even it was it was not the the hottest feature in excel but when i saw it i thought it was like the coolest thing ever you know but i could not use it i could not use it in my vb3 apps i could not use it in anywhere really so i thought you know uh i got i got together with uh my other partner Fairhot. uh who you probably know, 
and he was like a hardcore coder, you know, a real C C plus plus guy. And he, I basically explained the idea to him, you know, that basically, if we could, if I could use this pivot table in in my applications, that would be awesome, you know, because it would help, you know, not just. If you notice, like a lot of applications, you just dump data into them. I mean, most applications have one function. Basically, it's data entry. So accounting systems, you just put data in them. And the only way for you to get information out has been basically, okay, so print me a report that does this or print me something that does that. Usually involving so, a little code or a little query exactly, or something. Exactly. But really, it was not the, the data that you're collecting throughout the years is not really helping you make any decisions. It's not helping you really run your business. Basically, you just get end of end of the month. You print your aging report. You print your uh, uh, P and L and these types of things. But you're not really using it day to day. So all these people are collecting this valuable data and putting it into your computer systems, but not doing much with it. So the pivot table to me was something that we could use to to get more information out of data that is just sitting basically in in these applications. So sure enough, Fairhot, you know he. And, he got on the on the job and he he was able to whip it out uh, you know do it like in um, I don't know it took him I think a couple of months I did all the QA we were just two guys you know just uh, with an idea and we did it and when we when we wrapped it was DynamicCube so we called the product DynamicCube at that time it was the first 32-bit OCX 4 VB4 in those days oh really yeah so we oh. did not even start with a VBX you know most of the products at that time they were VBX and they moved into OCX. We right. were actually the very first 32-bit, no 16-bit OCX control, and it started with VB4. Wow, I remember those days. Oh yeah. <laughs> then yeah. we, uh, I remember when we went in '96, we went to our first VS Live. We had to meet VS Live, and we went there. We did not even have a company name yet. So we get to the show floor, and we came up with the name of the company right there. You know. <laughs> So what should we put on the sign? And we decide, okay, well, we'll call it Data Dynamics. Okay, sure. <laughs> put it up there. And hmm. and that was the birth of Data Dynamics right there on the show floor of, uh, of VS Live in uh, in 96. Wow. Uh, Dynamic Cube was, uh, was a tough sell, man, because we were bringing something that no one really has, has ever considered from the developers. Like, okay, so I, I know I need a grid, and I know I need a report writer, and I know I need these, a chart in my application, but no one considered having a two-dimensional grid that you use whose function is not to input data or to look at data in rows or tables, you know, but whose function is to analyze the data and yeah. make decisions based on it. So it was really a tough sell. But uh, You were too far ahead of the curve. Exactly. Because at, at that time, we were just trying to... I was working in mm -hmm. the analyst business, working with guys like... Uh, MicroStrategy and those sorts of folks exactly that yeah. were just starting to bring the concept of analytics mm -hmm. to the enterprise. Yes, and here yes. you were selling it to the VB developer. Absolutely, yes. Now, what's was, up with that? <laughs> yeah, man, it was it was it was mind boggling, you know, because you had MicroStrategy. You mentioned MicroStrategy and like Cognos and uh, and uh, Holos at those in those days. You know, they were bought by uh, Seagate at that time. Yeah, they all um, they eventually all got rolled up, but there was even more, right? There was oh, yeah. Brio oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. and oh my yeah. goodness, there were so yeah. many companies back then, and and most of them exactly. are gone now. Exactly, because the, the the industry has consolidated. But we we had a different idea. Instead of taking these. Uh, things and make them IT applications that you sell for hundreds of thousands of dollars and you got to get a consulting team in and they install it. And uh, I mean, it's, it's a mess. 
we thought, you know, why not bring it down to the person that is writing at the department level? He's got a simple database, maybe an access database or a small SQL server, or really an ODBC, even like, uh, we even had like, um, gosh, I think uh, it was Borland, what was it called, BDE, the, the data engine yeah. in Borland? Yeah, we right. even supported that, yeah. And uh, the whole thing ran in memory, and it was so tight. I mean, Fairhout like wrote some of the routines in Assembler and uh, went crazy with it, you know. And we did not like write it in MSC or ATL or there was nothing at that time. We mm. Fairhout had to code it right there against the Olay DPSD, uh, the Olay SDK, mm. uh, and build Hardcore. the control basically. Yeah. Um, and this is in a day when I think the system requirements for memory was 32 megabytes on these machines. And <laughs> So it was uh, difficult to fit in there. Scott, were you around in those days? So, yeah, I was around in those days doing tech support. So okay. I, I, I was able to, just answering questions and trying to explain to people what this did. And, and they'd call up and say, well, you know, we have we have Cognos installed. And what's the difference between this product and yours? And that's a, that's a long, difficult question to answer. Yeah, especially because you guys are, in, like I said, you're in different markets. You and, and you told me, Isam, when we were when I was there in December, that you just really like the developer market. That's what you know, and and you didn't want to play with you know with the sh- didn't want to swim with the sharks, really. Exactly, and you know the the company that we were, you know the the organization that we were trying to create is is some is a place not not a huge organization, but more a place where we could we could have fun and we could produce products that we would want to use, you know. Because yeah. I remember, you know, my development days, I wanted something that I could use and actually build applications with. So sure enough, you know, I got together with Fairhot and we put together a team. Otherwise, Scott was our employee number one, and uh, he's still with us. He, we had him right out of high school. Wow, and uh, basically, uh, he's he's been with us. You know, grew from tech support. He could tell you a lot more about his history, but uh, he's definitely one of one of those brilliant guys. You know, one of the best that I've developers that I know, and uh, I watched him. You know, just uh, grow from tech support all the way to managing all of our teams, and uh, he's responsible for many of the products that you see today. So you talked about Dynamic Cube. Let's talk about analysis. This is your new stuff. Okay, so basically, Dynamic Cube started. Uh, we 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 built it, and it was it was uh, an ActiveX control, and it was uh, it was also it had quite a few firsts. Actually, it was the first control that we that was that would run in Internet Explorer. If you remember, when Internet Explorer came out, you know, to to battle with Java, they said, well, we have we can host ActiveX controls, and that was when the term ActiveX came out. So we were one of the first controls to to do that, also to live inside of uh, inside of uh, uh, Internet Explorer. Well, you know, when when it came to .NET, the uh, everything changed really. I mean, uh, what we noticed based on our experience with Dynamic Cube is that people see these numbers, but when you look at a a lot of numbers that are sitting on the screen, uh, you know, m- many years of of product analysis, that maybe category break it down by region and all these things, it is not very easy to spot uh, trends or problem areas. So we thought, you know, I, I, at the time I was, I was, um, I read some research papers about a project at Stanford called Polaris. Basically, the idea was that you take any any uh, numeric values and you translate them into a graphical view. The graphical view will allow you to spot trends a lot easier. For example, you know, to look at a series of, uh, let's say, two years worth of uh, uh, or eight quarters of sales, uh, you will see eight numbers. It's not, you have to actually focus in trying to see whether you had a growth 
or a downturn in your sales. But if the data was represented with a line chart, that would be a lot easier uh, to spot immediately how the curve is going up or down. The same thing, you know, if you use the uh, bar charts or some other, you know, depending on the type of data that you're looking at, you could represent it with a graphical view or textual view based on your need and how you want to um, how we want to explore the data. And the thing we got to stress here is that mm-hmm. this is this doesn't take code. I mean, this is literally, Richard, an application in a control. Mm-hmm. So you you pick your database, you connect to it, you pick your, your store procedures or your tables on either axis, and then you, you pick your line type and, and your ranges and some other parameters, and the data is just there. Exactly. So what it what it does basically just that you as you said you point it to your data source and the data source could be pretty much anything that has an OLEDB data source and uh, or analysis services. So we it actually supports multidimensional data sources and relational data sources. So if you happen to have analysis services server that you've invested so much on, but you don't really have a front end, how can you see this data? How I mean the only way today to really look into analysis services data, these cubes that you've been storing a ton of information in, is really using Excel pivot table, the, the enhanced ones that is in 2007, or some of the, uh, I guess, ProClarity stuff that they came up with. But either of those really requires so much investment, that it, both in money and time, uh, to, to understand and to, to make available to users. So what we came up with, basically, is we built a control that you point it to the data source, and then you simply just start dragging and dropping to build this view. And you could do it in either your Windows applications, WinForm apps, or WebForm apps. So you could have, uh, you know, and it runs, you know, a full Ajax front end in a, in a web browser, or a WinForm application if you want it to be uh, inside your, uh, for example, accounting system or whatever it is that your application does. And uh, just let the user add it, you know. Uh, you don't have to write reports anymore. They could just uh, pivot around, drill down, filter, sort, uh, create charts, uh, do all kinds of things, you know, from this uh, really amazing control. Well, and, and the uh, motivation here, I've mm-hmm. been the guy, and I'm sure a bunch of our listeners are the person right now that acts as the pivot cube. Your boss mm-hmm. asks for a report. <laughs> you whip it together with a smart query and a, and a little bit of visualization. You hand it to mm-hmm. him. And he goes, this is great. Now can you change the following? Exactly. I want you to break this down. <laughs> and now you're acting as the cube. Exactly. Yeah, you you keep redoing the report. And it's, and it's your – I got so good at it, I was doing it at a rate of about a new version every 20 minutes or so, which I realized mm-hmm. was a mistake because it just encouraged him to do it more. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, that was something interesting, though, that with DynamicCube, like I saw mentioned earlier, it was really ahead of its time, and especially it's it definitely in this market for developers, it was way ahead of its time, and they did, it was difficult for us to get them to understand how valuable it was. And later, when we added act, when we added active reports, uh, customers started to, when they would say, you know, I want my users to be able to change what they're looking at and add different fields to the report and all this stuff, and, and we allow them to do that in active reports as well with an end-user designer, but... Sometimes you just mentioned, have you ever looked at Dynamicube? And a lot of times they'd look over at Dynamicube and realize that although it's not it's not exactly a report writer in the traditional sense, but it's very valuable and they complement each other very well and it allowed their users to actually quit asking the developer to rewrite, make minor changes to a report and allowed them to do that analysis themselves. And, and at the end of the day, it made those programmers a hero. Right. Well, and you get to the real point here, which is everybody thinks they want a report writer. 
when actually what they want is an analytical tool. As soon as as soon as I create a report and a guy loves it and still wants changes, he's doing analysis. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're you're talking. You see, they they basically they want to reach their data. You know, this data that they have there. Now, as a developer, I don't understand the the business, so I don't know what is it to look for. So I cannot create reports for him, right? So he's going to have to tell me what he wants in those reports. Right. But what he wants is so random especially in a, in a dynamic business environment. You know, you cannot simply summarize that and have it fixed as a single view. So that's why, you know, the idea of multiple views, a pivot table-like view, you know, a text, uh, uh, and the way, the way that it can grab the data, summarize it, and then I'm looking at a sum. I want to see an average. I want to drill down from a single cell onto more detail. That is not something that you could do with a report. That's not something that you could do with a static view. Right. And for you to have a developer sitting there, keep asking him, I mean, it gets pretty expensive very quick, you know? Yeah, it's not efficient use of time. But it also gets back to this idea that reports are what middle managers and administrative folks need to know what to do next where senior management, they don't know necessarily what they're looking for. They're looking for the exception. They're they're drilling around the data to find out what's wrong here, and they don't know what the answer is. So, of course, the report yeah. never stays static because they're trying to find something that they're not sure exists. Exactly. That, that's that's a perfect description. Yes, you're right. Now, I mean, I'm a, I'm a student of, of Edward Tufte, uh, who was the visualizations guy, and of a Ralph Kimball, who was the data analytics guy way at the beginning. And, of course, Kimball was the guy who said, if you can't return that information every 10 seconds... Mm-hmm. He he was very conscious of the fact that the speed of analysis was important because what your executive's trying to do is pursue an intuition that mm-hmm. something is here. They don't really know what it is. So you, that yeah. dynamic part is really key. You need to constantly be drilling into data to be able to pursue the intuition successfully, find the exception in the data. You mentioned Tufty. Don't forget about Dr. Cod. <laughs> well, Cod, yeah. Cod was a – that's the funny part about relational databases, of course. They were built to Cod being the father of relational database, was the guy mm-hmm. who really said the whole point of doing this is reporting. Right. Even though that's not what we ever used it for. Yeah. I find a great parallel here for data dynamics that your original product was an analysis product and people didn't really understand it. It wasn't until you made a reporting product that everybody got comfortable with you. Exactly. And to yeah. this day, I think, still your most famous product. Yeah. Uh, yes, yes. Actually, a lot of people don't know the name of the company behind the Active Reports. You know, they're <laughs> like, yeah, of course, I know who you are now. Yeah, you're the Active Can Reports we... guys. Right. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> uh so that's actually why we're changing some of the naming conventions for our uh, product names. Now we, we include the company name with the product. So we call it Data Dynamics Analysis. So mm-hmm. that's the name. And, uh, you know, kind of like Microsoft Word, that's an old type strategy. So we're trying to bring the name of the company to the forefront. Uh, and that's, you know, that's, I guess, uh, something that you're going to struggle with when you have a popular product like Active Reports. Do you know how to build Web 2.0 AJAX applications with Web 1.0 components? Right. You just can't. In order to have next-generation web apps, you need next-generation components. And that's exactly what our friends at Telerik have for you. Their upcoming product, codenamed Rad Controls Prometheus, is a huge pack of web controls built on top of Microsoft ASP.NET AJAX, which will add previously impossible performance and interactivity to your next project. Just listen to this. The new controls mirror the ASP.NET AJAX API, so development is straightforward. 
client scripts are shared, so loading time is pretty much instant. And if you just set a couple of properties, you'll be able to automatically bind to web services for even more efficient operation. After all, the facts speak for themselves. The new RAD editor for ASP.NET AJAX loads up to four times faster than before. Similarly, RAD Grid handles thousands of records in mere milliseconds. But again, it's best to try for yourself. Visit Telerik.com slash ASP.NET AJAX and download a trial. And don't forget to thank them for supporting .NET Rocks. Now, I notice you have a beta of analysis out. Can you measure the popularity of this? Is this going to be a popular product, do you think? Uh, We think so, but I think the education aspect is still there. There, People now now understand more about data analysis and OLAP and uh, business intelligence because Microsoft really uh, really pushed that and, uh, I guess, uh, brought it to the masses, if you will, with analysis services. The problem with analysis services is it's an awesome server product, but really it does not have good front-end tools. And uh, I believe with analysis, we've created uh, an, an incredible, incredible in, you know, uh, front-end for analysis services or, for that matter, any type of relational database. Because in addition to accessing the analysis, the pre, pre-summarized cubes in analysis services, we also do our own aggregation if we have to. So if you point us to at a SQL server, we're going to pull the data and actually analyze it yourself. So giving you some of the functionality that actually analysis services provides to you. And uh, you don't have to go through the idea of creating cubes and, uh, and uh, loading the transactional data into uh, multidimensional data and so on. Now, given that that's so, why would I ever bother with OLAP server then? Uh, well, the amount of data, really. I mean, uh, if you if you are a uh, if it's a simple application, let's say you're using SQL Server, and you don't. I mean, if you have uh, millions and millions of rows, we're not going to be able to handle that for you. In like, we're not going to be able to pull it out of SQL Server and put it on a client where we handle everything in memory. I mean, this is .NET after all. I mean, we're gonna we're gonna shove millions of rows and try to summarize them. It's going to take time. But if they're pre-summarized in OLAP server and you already have that, and you've invested in it, then of course you could, you could easily, we, we get it in an instant because we don't have to do any other aggregation. But it's really worth repeating what you just said before there that Richard commented on, which is that you do not need an OLAP cube. You can use relational data and that SQL analysis services, while it's great on the back end, doesn't really have the front end that you offer here. No, for a long time, all Microsoft was really offering as a front end to OLAP server in the early editions was Excel. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. The only thing they added recently is I think they bought ProClarity. Yeah, they bought ProClarity, and, and and now they're coming with uh, I can't even remember the name of it now, but it's it's like the performance the, point. Performance yeah, performance point. point that's what yes. I'm thinking of. Mm-hmm. Yes. But even that, it's not it's not really it's not targeted. Again, you see, they they ignore the developer market. Right. Which I, I think I think really is is uh, is is a very grave uh, thing to do because really developers are are the ones that that are the closest to the data. I mean, sure. they, they were the ones that built the system that put the data there in the first place. Yeah. So you should not alienate them when you try to get the data out. Do you think most of your competition, these uh, big ticket uh, item packages, that these uh, uh, since they are not geared towards developers, do you think that? Um, that uh, you actually have an advantage. Well, you do have an advantage because you're you're not competing with other developer products. You're mm-hmm. competing with them, but that doesn't make it really difficult to to sell. I mean, because most developers aren't going to understand where the competition is, 
and most IT people don't know the developer market, it, it must provide. It must be a real challenge. Yeah, I mean, you hit the nail on the head. Really, the the problem is that we're trying to sell a product that an IT person is typically in control of, but we're we're pushing it to the developer. So what we're hoping is that once the developer sees it, he will take our case to the IT person hmm. and say, okay, so you're trying to go and buy, let's say, Cognos, or you're trying to buy uh, uh, business objects, uh, you know, OLAP and data analysis and all that stuff. Well, how about if we go and buy a component for fourteen ninety nine, and I build, I build like a, a shell around it, and there you go. You have something. You have saved thousands and thousands of dollars, and I could customize it in any way you want. I could make it look like anything you want because it's part of the application. That's the, that's the brilliance of it. As a mm-hmm. component, you could take it, and it becomes part of the application. So if you need maybe your user is, is advanced user, you just give them the raw feel of it if you if your user is a is a is a simple end user then you could give them maybe wizards around it you could guide them through you could offer them your i mean you customize it any way you want rather than an application that pretty much looks the same whether the user is advanced or not uh, it looks the same uh, so that's the problem with things like uh, you know all these tools that you see out there that basically it's an IT person purchasing it right. and trying to plug it into the data and uh, presenting the same front end for everyone in the organization. That does not really necessarily meet everyone's needs. Now, does, is any code required? Uh, no, code is not required, really. I mean, basically, you've seen it, how we drop the control, yeah. connect it to. Uh, code is not required. However, code is there if you want to. So let's say you want to change the look and feel, or you want to control certain things that okay. the user can or cannot do or should or should not do. But you're basically you setting can. properties to turn features on and off. Is what exactly. We have a doing. very, very flexible API to customize it if you wish. Yeah, there's never any code to say So I'm thinking through a couple display. of scenarios that mm-hmm. I've been through on this, which is often people don't know they need data analysis. They're looking for reporting tools. And really, because of that iterative behavior, you realize what they're really doing is analysis. So they're not about to drop fifty or $100,000 on analysis because it just hasn't surfaced that much. This looks like an inexpensive way to get started. Exactly. Yeah. And then re- and then when they realize, wow, this is the best part of the app. I love this analytics bit, but it's not fast enough. Then, sure. you, because it's querying this massive set of data back in the SQL Server, then you can make the pitch for we need to buy an OLAP server, or we need some other additional services to speed things up. Hmm. Exactly. Yes. I mean, this will get your feet wet, you know. In and the the tool itself is so powerful, even in a small in a small data set. Hmm. Just the experience is just so. I mean, it's it's amazing, you know. I mean, uh, uh, Carl was here and he saw yep. how you could uh, you my, could just go nuts with it. My jaw know? hit the floor. Well, yeah. and that's the experience I've always had when I put an analytics tool that was properly configured with the right set of data in front of an executive. They go mad. Exactly. Yeah, that's, that's when you know you've hit it because they just yeah. off they go. They're gone. You you can't even talk to them anymore yep. because they're busy drilling into data and learning something about their business. Just to reiterate that when we go to shows, it's a very common thing that uh, developers might not even they don't take a whole lot of interest at first. But a lot of times they go and they bring a manager back or a manager might be there and they might go grab a developer and say, hey, man, look at this. You know, wouldn't this be great? And it's, and it's really after they see that interactive experience that they're really sold on it. But I think if they just see like a, a line item somewhere, it's a, another pivot table or something like this, they, they don't, there's really no interest in it. But when they see this product working, 
actually in front of them, or, they, or better yet, have a chance to use it themselves, it's uh, it is really just knocks people out. I mean, they just really go nuts for it. And and you know, and this isn't the only product that that you showed me. You showed me a whole new uh, a whole new code base for active reports or for reporting. Tell tell me about that. Yeah, so that's the product that uh, Scott actually uh, spearheaded, and uh, what we're, we're trying to do really is is elevate really active reports. As you know, is a very hardcore developers, you know, and developers just love it. You know, they uh, I want to get down into code and then, you know, customize it and do this. But we also had a segment of the market that we were not reaching. And we were aware of that. There are some developers that simply are not interested or they don't want to spend as much time in, in, in the trenches, you know, dealing with the, the uh, you know, the, the raw power of active reports. So mm-hmm. we thought a... Uh, a, a, a reporting engine that has a lot more in the box while keeping up with the with the with the history and the and the legacy of active reports uh would be would be appropriate and would target a whole new market would open some new doors for us basically so we've created a whole new reporting engine that has um, a lot of features i mean uh, uh, that that are so powerful and so unique actually in, in for a reporting product uh, uh data dynamics reports is the new product Okay. And it shares a lot of the core with data, data, data dynamics analysis. So basically, we've created a single core, and out of it, we grew two separate products, and we're adding even more to that suite of products. Uh, so uh, data dynamics reports has uh, very unique features, such as master pages. If you, if you know about master pages in ASP.NET, that is a very, very popular feature in ASP.NET where you yes. like, uh, basically you design a master page and then all your pages build on top of it, similar to inheritance in object-oriented languages. But the idea in a report is also very similar. You create one master report, and then all your reports basically start being ba- are based on that report. And if you go and change the master, every, all your reports change. Yeah. So imagine, like in in active reports, I know some 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 of our users would build like hundreds of reports in a single application, but they have to repeat so many things. And if the data source changes, for example, they have to go into each report and and maybe have some dynamic code behind the, the in report start that modifies the the connection or does certain things. Well, with master reports, basically, you just go in and change that single report. Switch it maybe from your test database to your production database, and all the reports instantly change. You want to change, for example, uh, the header of the company, or you want to change the uh, the footer to add some new page numbering scheme. All your reports will change automatically. So that's a very very powerful feature that is a great time saver. Another one is themes, basically uh, another idea similar to CSS in HTML, basically. So we define themes that you could use fonts, images, and colors that are shared across many reports. You change the theme, or you you flip themes on on different reports to give them different looks and stuff like that. So makes does it, this makes... does this new product have the same core features as ActiveReports.net plus these new things, or is it exactly? Yeah, it, it does. It does, but it, there is there is a significant difference though in in the style of reporting, as you as you might be familiar with the idea of um, banded reports, section-based reports, where basically you open the report, you start with a blank design, and you're looking at bands. Bands are basically like your report header band or section, and your uh, group header and group footer and detail. All these, we call them sections or bands or areas, depending on uh, the product you're using. 
So that is a very uh, linear and vertical design of a report, basically. So you're starting from your report header, then page header, then uh, group header, and then detail, then you start to close each one of those that you opened up. Uh, Data Dynamics reports is completely different. It uses something called region-based reporting, where basically you're looking at a blank page and you drop different regions on it. And each region, think of it as almost a completely separate report. And these regions are very powerful. One of them is a table, another is a chart, another is a list, another is a banded list. We also have a calendar. Uh, so these basically are self-contained data layout regions, okay? So they bind to a data source and they take the data and lay out in a certain form. That form could be tabular for a table, a chart, a graphical, or a calendar, for example, if you had some dates that you want to throw on a calendar and, and print it out. Uh, so it takes all these things and uh, you could place them anywhere on the report. And this is a different way of laying reports out. And it has, it's, it has a lot of power, but it's also different from the way Active Reports does things. Oh, that's interesting. And you say Analysis uses this new engine? Uh, analysis, the core data engine, is the same. So the aggregation, the summary, the collecting data, connecting to data sources are, is the same between the Data Dynamics Reports and Data Dynamics Analysis. And then the two fork. One is one takes this data engine, the, all the aggregation, and presents you with a dynamic view, interactive view, which is analysis. And the other one presents you with a, a static view that you could print, export, uh, and do all kinds of stuff, you know, the typical reporting features. And that is data dynamics reports. But at the core level, internally, they have a, the same engine. Cool. So, so now, is, so is the reporting engine available yet, or is it still in beta? Yeah, or? it has been actually available for uh, almost a year now. Uh, okay. No, less than a year. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, it is available actually, and it's being sold on uh, on our website. And uh, we we're we're having like a difficult time basically differentiating between active reports because really some people say, well, I love active reports. Why should I switch? Well, the answer is really you don't have to, or you should not. If you like active reports and you, you are using it, it's really with data analysis reports, we're targeting a different type of people that we were not, we were not getting uh, with active reports. You know, the, the ones that are not, that are not hardcore developers, you know, that they're, they, they're not interested. Okay, well, for me to, I'll give you an example. If okay. I wanted to create a, a highlighting, uh, for example, I want to highlight a certain number in active reports to, to make it stand out, let's say, if, if the quantity is below a certain level, I want it to appear in red. You know, in active reports, you could do that so easily, and people love it. You jump into the data format event, the format event, and you write some C sharp or VB code, and you say if the quantity is less than fifty, make it red. Well, in data dynamics reports, we don't have that. We don't have events. There is no code behind. Instead, you write an expression. So you go to the quantity, and you go to the color, and you say, okay, you write an expression, a logical expression that says if. Uh, quantity is less than 50, then red, otherwise black, you know? Right. So it's a different way of thinking. Uh, also, we have, we've put a lot into the box. So in active reports, you have to do more work, but you get more power. With this, you do less work, but you get more features. For example, we have a dashboard, a uh, set of dashboard controls. For example, a bullet chart, a, uh, a spark line, you know, some of these, uh, a Tufty actually invention. You mentioned mm-hmm. Edward Tufty. Right. Well, Sparkline is, is, is a word, uh, they call it a word size 
graph or a chart that basically puts uh, gathers a lot of data and puts it in a in a very small uh, chart line chart or bar chart so we have a spark line we have a we have a bullet chart and we also have a, a visualization uh, basically methods to visualize the data uh, like the stuff that you see in Excel 2007 for example like color scale data bars uh, icon sets you know that makes your data stand out. So all of these things are built into the report. You don't even have to write a single line of code to, to get them. Uh, and it's got all the stuff that AR has, you know, from report designer to RDL API, these types of things, you know. That's great. What if, uh, what is, what is the relationship between this and say SQL server reporting services? Okay. So it is uh, the only thing that they share is basically the RDL uh, file format. As you know, when Microsoft created reporting services, uh, they created a, a, an RDL file format that is common, and they, they basically made it available so that others could use it. So we use the same format, but we've built what we've built is a whole new engine that from scratch ourselves, and we use the same format that they use, but we expanded it quite a bit with these controls that they don't have and these features that they don't have, as I mentioned, like the master pages, the master reports, the themes, the dashboard controls, the calendar control. Uh, you know, barcodes, banded lists, all mm-hmm. kinds of stuff that we've just added. So it became like double the, the, the product that reporting services is, but it's based on the same uh, RDL file format that they have. It's XML-based and stuff like that. And if you use act, if you use uh, Data Dynamics reporting with, with uh, SQL reporting services, are you going to get any benefit there if you use the two together? Everything that reporting services does, we do. So okay. there is really no added benefit to... So is the implication it. there that I could take RDL generated by reporting services and then mm-hmm. use it to migrate to Data Dynamics? If you have reporting services already and you've made that investment in creating a bunch of reports and reporting services, then the big difference is that in Data Dynamics reports, you can import them all and they would run as is. Right. So I, I don't have to start over. I can move all my existing reporting services reports to Data Dynamics but I, the reverse is not necessarily true because you've extended RDL. Well, I couldn't take a data, data dynamics report and put it into SQL reporting services? That's right. Well, so we do generate standard RDL, but it's exactly right what you said. I mean, data dynamics reports has things like a formatted text control that you can put on there so you can embed HTML in the report. So if you have some uh, rich uh, form letters or something like that you want to be able to put into a report, you can do that in Data Dynamics reports. And if you were to put that in reporting services, since they don't have such a control like this, it's not going to work. The same with the calendar uh, and the dashboard controls that Assam mentioned, the master pages, the themes. There's many things like this that are supported in Data Dynamics reports and really very powerful and natural features to use in the product that, uh, on, that reporting services just doesn't have at all. That's awesome. Well, it just It's nice to see a clean path. Because that's always the important part here is, you know, we've made commitments to other tools and then we run into their limits mm-hmm. and want to do more. And when we see an opportunity to do more, part of the resistance to move to that tool is what what happens to my existing investment. So I, I'm really appreciative that you guys made it easy for me to move from one tool to the next. Yeah. You know, one, one, one great thing that we've done with Active Reports and has been very popular is with the professional edition, we included a, a our, our designer itself. We actually made the report designer a control. So you could go in and build a report designer right within your application. 
So that has been a very popular feature, and a lot of people bought the professional edition for that. Right. Where basically, uh, you know, I built all the reports for the customer, but he wants more, so I'm just going to give him the report designer. Can I give him that? So at first we used to say no. Then we thought, well, you know, why not just make it a control and let right. them customize it and control it? So the beauty of uh, Data Dynamics reports is that we did the same thing. So we took the report designer and we also included as a control royalty-free that you could actually allow your users to create reports or modify reports right within your application. That right. is something that reporting services, of course, does not have either. Instead, they have uh, some end-user report designer. I forget what it is. But uh, that is not even very uh, – it does not share a lot with reporting services, and this has not been very successful. With this one, I mean, we give you a full-blown report designer that is region-based right within your application if you want. And, you know, the the old – the old saw is uh, the distribution problems aside, that's what people really liked about access. Mm-hmm, exactly. I think we're all coming to this exact same point here, which is one of the focuses you've always had is integrating the reporting and the analysis as part of the application, where so many other products, that's a completely standalone thing. Yeah. That's right. That's a really good point that we just saw mentioned that end user report designer. That you and that's a key point that you can embed it right into your application. So if you have an accounting application or something like that, it's not a foreign, a separate environment that the user goes into to create reports. It's actually part of his accounting application. So he can tailor it with wizards or other integration points into the application that really make it feel to the end user like they're not switching contacts and they're not moving uh, to another app. Definitely not moving to another application, let alone something that even looks different. I mean, they can style it to make it look the same and and go back to where they were in the, in the application very easily. Speaking of access, Richard, that access upsize wizard that you guys have, mm-hmm. yeah, yep. that's that's come in very handy on a couple of projects. Yeah. By the way, we have the same thing also in Data Dynamics reports. So you could actually, not only you could read RDL reports, but we also have the same access upsizer and the same, uh, uh, you know, crystal reports and active reports converters also. So you could bring in whatever, you know, reporting tool you're using, you could also bring it into Data Dynamics reports. Uh, now, one other thing I wanted to mention about the, the whole idea of, of putting the, the tool within the application. As you know, uh, for a long time, you know, Microsoft has been pushing people and in, in basically a good development methodology is not to really directly access the database within your application. It's to have these different layers and, you know, properly breaking down the application into data layer and business objects and all these types of things. Well, when, you, when you're using an external tool, so, for example, you want to bring in analysis, you want to bring in Cognos, or you want to bring in uh, some other performance point or something, is that all these things would require you to break that uh, uh, development methodology that you've been working at and the, the application architecture because they have to go directly to data. But when these controls, such as data dynamics reports or data dynamics analysis, are integrated within your application, they can use the same data access method that you are using. So if you happen to be using business objects, for example, mm. you could run active reports against the business object itself. You don't have to say, well, active reports requires me to go to the database. No. Uh, also, if if you're using, for example, arrays or collections of of certain things, or you wanna you wanna print a report from um, from multiple data sources, maybe you grab something from XML and then you grab something else from the data, and then something you calculated in inside your application on the fly, you could build get them all together 
and represent them in a, in a report because the report is living within your application. It understands these things, unlike, you know, if it was an external tool where it doesn't have a clue what you're trying to do. Now I'm just thinking about the way people operate. I'm a fan of the sovereign custom app, right? The the app that owns a chunk of your real estate on your screen all of the time when you're at work. And that's mm-hmm. where this stuff would live. Exactly. But, but I'm also thinking about the executive who probably doesn't spend a lot of time on certain sides of the app, maybe does want a standalone analytics app. Now, I disagree with myself already. You know, the biggest thing I like about the integration option is the first thing an executive does when they find a piece of information that's insightful is question its validity, mm-hmm. right? They go, why is that sales number so high? Yeah. And most analytic tools, that's they hit a wall right there. They usually can't get at the data per se, and they certainly don't know all the business rules and those sorts of things. So the usual reaction to that guy finding a piece of data he questions is to phone you, right? Mm-hmm. As the developer would say, this data is wrong, go find out, and then you spend the time trying to prove it. Well, what I, what's great about this is that instead of just getting a number, you see patterns in, in correlations, like um, they have a great uh, – Richard, they have a great uh, analysis tool, the correlation analysis tool that draws little circles um, yep. on, and at data points. And then when those circles are – those circles are bigger, that means something. When they're smaller, it means something. And also when they're coagulated all around. I mean you can really get a sense for uh, the big picture with some of these very simple graphical tools. Great stuff, guys. And I think something you were saying, though, if we like the executive does want and want a, an intranet portal or something like this, or his executive reporting thing, all of our products work in a scenario like this. And I'm sure you have I, all the choice in the world. You're customizing. It, I was exactly, thinking really, that's a really, really key point. I mean, since they all work in ASP.NET, uh, it is a common scenario that the unfortunately programmers don't get to run the company all the time. So when executive. <laughs> tells them that they need to, he wants it on this site, this internet site that he goes to every morning, at least you have that option with all of our products. And it's a very common for our customers to do just that. Yeah, Bill, and I like the fact that you could use the same set of tools as a standalone web app could also be embedded in the sovereign app on the desktop. Uh, I think one of the angles I was trying to drill into here is that I can see where it would be incredibly useful to have pieces of the app of this sovereign app available to the executive so that they can drill in on the data themselves. They can find out what was that huge shale that made that standout figure in the analysis side of things themselves and then say, is that sale real? I can now go to the salesperson rather than going to an IT guy or to a developer to try and drill down to that information. Exactly. All right, so so what's uh, what's on the burner for you guys? I mean, this is some great stuff that's coming out. You're looking forward, obviously, to the next thing. What's next? Exactly. So what we have now is between data dynamics reports and data dynamics analysis, I told you that we they share a core uh, engine, and we're going to build on that quite a few things, actually. We're going to try to uh, basically fill up the whole spectrum of the anyone that needs to do data analysis, business intelligence, reporting, information delivery, all these types of things. We want to create products that reach into each and every segment. With Active Reports, we have covered the hardcore developer. With Data Dynamics Analysis and Data Reports, we're trying to uh, bring that closer to people who are not interested in, in that much coding. And now we're going to even take it further by creating a very powerful 
end-user uh, report designer that basically lives within the browser or within the, the application that is targeted, tailored even more towards end-users, that they don't have to think about data. They think more about models and entities and things like that. Ah. Then we're going to, yeah, and then uh, the next step is really to start scaling this to more uh, enterprise level, you know, with reporting distribution and, uh, and servers and these types of things. So uh, and in that, we're getting... Um, they're, they're all going to be centered around the core uh, data summarization and aggregation engine that we've built in Active Reports and Analysis, in uh, Data Dynamics Reports and Analysis. Well, that sounds great. I can't wait to see that. Well, we're coming to the end of the show here. And I, again, I can't thank you enough for, uh, for being our friends and uh, sponsoring our show and having great products that we can believe in and talk about. And I'm sure the listeners are, are really as interested in it as we are, too. So thank you, guys. Thank you very much. It's been an honor. Thank you. Isam Scott, thanks again, and we will see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is recorded and produced by Pwop Productions, providing professional audio, audio mastering, video, post-production, and podcasting services. Online at www.pwop.com. .NET Rocks is a production of Franklin's Net, training developers to work smarter and offering custom on-site classes in Microsoft development technology with expert developers. Online at www.franklins.net. For more .NET Rocks episodes and to subscribe to the podcast feeds, go to our website at www.dotnetrocks.com. Got a transmitter band by the FCC, yes, I'm a 